Let's open our Bibles right now to 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you would please. And let's stand and we'll read this passage. I'll read it for you if you'll just follow along with me as I read, but let's all stand at this time. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and I want you to look down and we'll start in verse 13. And I'll, I'll read probably to verse 23. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them uh, from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now look at me for a minute. Of course, God told them not to take anything, and everything should be destroyed. And uh, the king thought he was going to do something pretty big for God. And, of course, then the prophet comes after God had told the prophet that he was not happy with the king, and he was, in fact, very angry with the king. And so when the uh, king came and uh, saw Samuel, he started popping off pretty, pretty big time, like he'd done this really great thing. But Samuel had just spoken to the Lord and, re and knew that this was a very grievous thing, so much that uh, Samuel began, to, he, he, he wept and he, he, he prayed and he cried out to God. And uh, because God was angry with the king. Now look, if you would, in verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord, the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon their, the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul saith unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the, the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought... Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Father, we ask your blessing to be upon the message tonight. We ask you to be upon this service. And God, we ask uh, that all that we do this evening glorify Jesus Christ. Help us now to understand the message and give us uh, some teaching this evening. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. How many of you like to fight? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of you. All you junior hires, okay. I, uh, I'm not afraid to fight. I do not like to fight. Uh, I have been in fights before. How many of you have ever been in a fight? All right. 
Uh, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about a fight on the street, okay? But um, none of us like to fight. None of us like to have conflict. And some of you cause conflict. Some of you enjoy conflict. Now, personally, I love watching a fight. Everybody enjoys that. I spent much of my, my uh, time as a youth pastor enjoying the fights on Sunday mornings down in B Church. And some of the best fights were the girl fights. And uh, they have no style. They have a lot of hair and no style. And uh, it's, it's usually a unique event when they get in fight. And there's not a whole lot as a man you can do, but either let it burn out. And after a few moments, they, they run out of steam. And then you take care of it. But the truth is, we, uh, we really, deep down inside, none of us really like to fight. And, uh, you know, we, every once in a while, we'd get somebody come, that would come down. I say down to B Church because it used to be down at 700 Sibley. And uh, we'd get a kid that would walk in, and he, would, he thought he was God's gift to the world. And he was in a gang, or he was tough, he was bad. And he'd pick fights with everybody until somebody, bigger, better, or stronger, comes by and stands up to him. And we, you'd watch those guys cower down. And it was always unique and fun to see it because it happened, it happened a lot. But none of us really enjoy fighting, and, and especially when we go up, go up against somebody that's formidable. Now, I, I, as I said, I enjoy watching a fight, but I, what I don't like watching is when people have conflicts with God. And it seems to, to, to be that in this day and time, especially now, we are seeing a lot of this. A lot of conflict with God. And tonight, I'm going to just uh, teach a little bit on the subject of resolving conflicts with God. How many of you have ever been, and you don't, I don't want you to raise your hand, but my hand will go up. Uh, you've had conflicts with God. I have. There are times when I've argued with God. There's times I've fussed with God. I used to, to uh, sometimes that... Uh, I would find a place to go to where I could say anything I wanted to say to God and not let anybody hear me. I find our cemetery is a good place for that. People out there don't care what you say. And uh, I've never heard anybody talk back yet. So I, uh, it's a nice place to go sometimes where you can talk to God and sometimes gripe or complain to God. And we've all been there to where God has allowed something to happen and uh, or something has gone on in our life and we didn't understand it and we got angry at God and we shook our proverbial fist in God's face. Man said to me Monday, he says, you know, he said, I, I argue with God sometimes until I find out God was, wasn't wrong. And you know, we find out to be, that to be true that we'll argue with God and uh, God is always proven right. There are times in our lives where we say that God let me down, right? You know, God, I was counting on God, but he let me down. He didn't come through and give me the answer that I was praying for. The pastor talks about prayer, and the Bible talks about prayer. And I, I went to God, and, uh, but God let me down. He did not come through. And 1 Peter 5, 7, I know it's in the Bible, and I believe the Bible, but it didn't come through for me. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's a great verse, Brother Eddie. But you know what? It didn't work for me. You been there? I have. Or God, God hurt me on purpose. 
You ever feel like something happened, a car accident or the loss of a job or something financial that happened, happened that was way out of your control and you feel like, you know what, God's just doing this for some kind of test. I don't think it's right. Why is this happening to me? Of all the people in the world, why did God take my spouse? Why did God give me cancer? Why did God do this to me or that to me? We've been there, right? I lived by the word of God. I tried to be a good husband, but my wife, she ran off with somebody else. And God's testing me, I think. But why is he doing that? And all of a sudden, there's a conflict with God. And we, we don't resolve that conflict necessarily. Or how about... You know, I, I, done, I did some wrong. I, I did something I shouldn't have done. And I, I'll be honest with you, Brother Eddie. I, I, can't, I can't look God in the face. I want to hide from God. When I go to church, I'm reminded through the preaching and through the exhortation of songs and, and scripture reading, I'm reminded of, of what I am. And I, I can't look at God anymore. And so, you know what? It's just better off that God and I just stay apart. That's hard to believe, but it happens all the time. I believe that's what happened to the Apostle Peter uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ when he denied him three times. The Bible says that he went fishing. I believe he just couldn't face God and didn't feel worthy to face God. And when you feel like that and you don't want to <coughs> own up to the things that you've done, you have conflict with God. Or how about this? This is what I'm seeing today a lot. God was never real to me anyhow. You know what? I believed in him, but he never became personal with me. I know there's church, and I know I have a Bible, and uh, I, I would say that I love God, but you know what? He's personal to you, Brother Eddie. Oh, he's personal to Brother Wilkerson. You know, I hear Brother Eggers teach, and I hear him and his wife sing, and, you know, I can see it in their voice, and I can hear it on, on, in their sound that they have that personal relationship with God, but that's not for me. I've tried. I've spent time in prayer. Then after I pray, I feel like I, I can just brush those prayers right off the ceiling. It's not personal with me. Good things, bad things, they're going to happen whether I pray or not, or whether I have a relationship with God. And you know what? Maybe I'll just handle my own destiny. Some of you are sitting here tonight like that. You know, and maybe some of you have been there before. But he may be a God to so many people and to others, but you know what? He's not my God. Now that's being said quite often today. You know, God is for weak-minded individuals. And whether you're a Christian or you're not, not a Christian today, is, it's immaterial at this point. But the conflicts of God must be resolved because they, don't, they won't have a happy ending. At some point in time in your future, you're going, you're going to see God. And those conflicts will be resolved at that time. I believe we ought to do everything that we can do today to resolve them now. And God wants them to be resolved. God doesn't want to have, I mean, he gave his son so that we can have everlasting life with him and a relationship with him. And if there are conflicts between us and God, it's not God's fault. It's not something that God did. 
It's, that God, it's something that God wants to resolve. So I'm going to give you seven things tonight that will help you to resolve those conflicts. You know, I, I believe when I get to heaven one day, and if I have had these conflicts with God, you know, I don't think for a second, Brother Eggers, that God's going to look at me and says, you know, Lapina, <clears throat> you remember all those conflicts that you and I had against each other? And, you know, I'm looking back on that. Eddie, I, I think I was wrong. God's not going to say that. Because he can't. Because God is, is never wrong. So I've got to figure that if there is an issue between you and God, you know, the, the fault's got to be on my side and your side. And I think we ought to look at some ways and some opportunities that we can look at tonight on how, how to resolve those issues. Number one, I'm going to give you seven of them tonight. Number one, we must look at what God has already done and not at what we think, at what we think he didn't do. We must look at what God has already done and not, not think on what he didn't do. How many of you have prayed for something and God didn't answer it the way that you thought it should be answered? Raise your hand. We're all, we've all been there. And we ought to look at life and look at the things that we have instead of the things that we don't have. We ought to look at the things that we prayed for that God has given us and the things that we didn't pray for that God gave us instead of what we thought he should have given us. I see Harvey down here and Robinson. I remember, Harvey, when <coughs> you and I were praying up at Christ Hospital when Clint McCurdy, your nephew, uh, fell into a swimming pool at the age of two. And I remember going to that little chapel there in that hospital there. And I remember Harvey and I and Tim praying there uh, uh, just earnestly. And I don't know if I've ever seen three men pour out their heart to God like we did. And I got to be honest with you. I prayed so earnestly, I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that Clint was going to rise up and walk again. And he was going to say mama again, and he was going to say daddy again, and he was going to play sports in school, and he was going to live a long <coughs> and fruitful life. But it never happened. It never happened. Twelve years later, in a state, uh, a state that he was in, he never got to, got to speak he never talked. He never could make anything more than a grunt. But, you know, I, I watched as his mom and dad dressed him for church and took care of him and, and had birthday parties for him and, and loved him and just treated him every day, every day, as a gift that God had given them. Instead of looking at what God hadn't done, they looked at what God did do. Twelve years later, God took him to heaven, and their prayers are answered. It wasn't the way that they had thought. It wasn't the way they expected. But when you're, you spend your life resolving conflict with God by looking at what he has done, you won't look at the things you're missing, and you won't look at the hurts and the heartaches. And today, Brother McCurdy is a pastor, and his, his wife and he, they, didn't, they never split up. They never had the family turmoil that, that many folks have gone through, through trials and heartaches like that, griping to God and complaining that God didn't come through for them. Instead, they resolved the issue by looking at his blessings instead of what they thought they needed. 
So number one, look at what God has already done and not at what he, we think he didn't do. Number two, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. James 4.10 tells us and commands us that we ought to humble ourselves in the sight of God. Not just to humble ourselves, but in the sight of God. In other words, look to God and put God in his rightful place, and that's God. And put yourself and myself in our place as, as, as servants of the Most High God. And God can do whatever he wants to do. And when I gripe and complain, and when I look to God and say, God, but you didn't do this, and God, you and I, we've got a problem with each other. What am I doing? I'm placing myself in a place that God needs to be. God hasn't done anything wrong, and I'm accusing him of doing wrong. God, you and I, we don't see eye to eye on this. Well, you know what? God's eyes are better than my eyes. And I, if I'm looking at God that way, I know it's not God that's wrong. It's me that's wrong. And what I need to do is to put myself in my proper place. And that's in humility before God. And number three, realize that there is sin in this world and we war against sin. And in any war, there are casualties. There are things that are going to happen in this world that we would think, you know what, why did that drunk driver hit us? Why did that drunk driver take my son? Why did, why did, uh, why did this mistake cost my family? Why did a kid go up to a school in, in Michigan and shoot his classmates? Why did a man decide to take his car and ram it through a parade, killing senior citizens as well as children? Because of sin. Because of sin. And we live, you and I live in a world of sin, and you know what? We war against it. And we will continue to war against it until Jesus Christ comes. If we, we have a right to get mad at anybody, it's, it's mad at Satan. Because Satan is behind all of it. He's the one prodding it. You can't get mad at God for your spouse leaving you. You can get mad at Satan for that. You can't get mad at a drunk driver or God at, get mad at God for a drunk driver, but you can get mad at Satan for that. We live in a world that's filled with casualties, casualties because of sin. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to find things in life that you're going to be cheated out of money. You're going to lose jobs that weren't, it wasn't fair for you to lose. You're going to have people do you, uh, do you dirty and treat you unkind because that's what people do. That's what sinners do. So number one, if we want to resolve our conflicts with God, we must look at what God has already done and not at what he think, we think he should do. We have to humble ourselves in the sight of God. We ought to realize that there is sin in this world and we war against sin. And because of that, we are, there are casualties. And number four, we must trust God anyhow. You know, one of the hardest things to do is trust somebody when you're confused. Trust somebody when you don't understand. And when you're at conflict with anybody, in conflict especially with God, it's probably at a state and time in your life when you don't get it. You're confused. You don't know what to do. You're angry, you're, you're perplexed, and you look at things and times in your life that, that you, uh, you can't seem to, 
to, to make it all make sense because that's what we like to do. So then we start casting blame. And sometimes when there's no human person to, to cast the blame upon, you know, then we look to God. Well, God, you can control everything. You made that sun come up this morning and you made it set tonight, so you can control it. Why? And we want answers right then and we want answers right now. It's those times that don't make sense to us. You know, we read the story of Job, and we say, you know, boy, Job was a great man, but Job didn't have the Bible. He didn't know how the story was going to end. We look at young Joseph, who was given a dream, but yet he never got to, he didn't get to see that dream fulfilled till later on, way later on in his life, after he'd suffered his brothers selling him away, after he suffered being lied about and, go, and being imprisoned. And, you know, his whole life seemed to be way out of whack and way out of order, and not as God had promised. But he trusted God anyhow. Job trusted God anyhow. And you know, if God offers to give you peace in life and contentment, and all of a sudden confusion comes in your life, you need to trust God anyhow. You need to trust him anyhow. I look and think often about the two thieves hanging on either side of Jesus Christ. One who just for whatever reason decided to put his faith and trust in God, not understanding who Jesus Christ really was, but just, just choosing to believe in him has worked out pretty well for him for 2,000 years. The other that was in the same pain, in the same state of confusion, in the same outcome, and uh, for the same reason decided not to, and he's been suffering ever since. I beg you tonight. I beg you tonight. If you have a conflict with God, you know what? You can resolve it by not, by not losing your faith in him. I continue to trust him, but I don't get it. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, <clears throat> it may not, but trust him anyhow. Look at what God has already done and not what we think he should do or didn't do. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Realize that there is sin in this world and we war against sin. Trust in him anyhow. And number five, stop talking and start listening. The Bible, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You know, we start talking so much when we get in trouble. You know, the adrenaline begins to flow and we do things that are wrong. We get nervous and we start talking and we start trying to explain our way out. And then when things of traumatic, traumatic things happen to us, we start griping to God and trying to find fault, trying to find understanding. And we do all the talking but I beg you, find some times where you just get alone and just be still. Just be still. How many of you, your parents ever told you just to hush? Snap their finger. Hush. I've probably heard that a thousand times. My dad say, Jeanette, hush. And uh, I don't know if she's here. I hope not. I know I've said a thousand times, Jeanette. I said, shut up, but my dad, my dad often said that to us. My mom has said that to us. Every parent has told their children to hush. And I think God sometimes wants us to hush. I think sometimes God wants us to take a drive. God wants us to go to the cemetery and sit by a grave and just hush. Just be still. 
Just be still. I think it's one of the, the, uh, the great trophies of a summer camp to where our young people can get away from the hustle and bustle of life and the, the, uh, the phones and the television and get to, a, get to the outdoors and take some time to where they hush. And all of a sudden, God begins to speak when we hush. We have now our, on our phones to where we can listen to the Word of God anytime we want. And you're driving, just take some time and turn your radio off and let God speak to you. Let the Word of God play as you're driving, you're riding your bike or you're jogging. Let God speak to you. And just be still and know that there is a God. You know, I find, I find that I'll, I, I, I'm okay. And I've been through these, <clears throat> these dark days. And I've been through these hard times. And, and one of the things I've got to get back to is to know that as long as God's there, I'm going to be okay. As long, as long as I just know that I can see his face like a little child when they call for you, and my, my children did this, all of, both of them have done this, and my grandkids have done this, is when they talk to me, sometimes I would look away, and they would grab my face, and they would put my face right towards hair because they wanted me to look at them while I talked to them. And sometimes we need to get that way with God and say, God, and uh, I want you, I want you to look at me, God. I want to look at you. And David said, God, keep me as the apple of thine eye. And I believe it could have been just a, 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 a actual apple, but I think it was a center portion of the eye. I believe David was talking about God. I'm going through this. I'm running from cave to cave. But God, as long as you're there, I'm okay. Keep me in the center of your vision. When you know God's looking out for you, the conflict will start to resolve. As long as you know God can handle and take care of any battle. Because you and I, we like to fight our own battles sometimes. We get thinking we're almighty and we're powerful. And you know what? We can beat that cancer. and We can, we can, we can beat that criticism. We can beat those, those things that happen in our lives. But you know, God sometimes wants to help us. In fact, all the time he wants to help us. But he just wants us to hush. You know, get off Facebook. Stop asking everybody to pray for you. And I, I, I say that reverently. And go to God yourself. Good. Stop griping and complaining on Facebook on why you're going through what you're going through until you just go to God on your own. Do you ever, do you ever notice that most of the Facebook posts, when they get in their blogs, are griping or complaining about something? Every once in a while, you'll find somebody that's praising somebody for something, and, and I like those things. Telling something good that it happened, those are great. But I do think it's far too much. We talk about what, what happened to us that's wrong, what happened to us that's bad. Stop talking and start listening. Number six, remind yourself consistently on how big God is. This does several things for us. Whenever I'm reminded about how big God is, I remind myself of how small I am. And when I remind myself and, and compare myself to God, I realize how insignificant my opinion is to God. 
My, my complaining is to God. One of the, the greatest verse in the Bible, I've used it often when I've preached here, that when, when I, I want to realize on how big God is, I go to Genesis 1.1, right? Because in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. That's a pretty big God. So that, my God can do that. He can figure out why I need to, what I need to do. He can figure out my problems. And you know what? He doesn't have to tell me why I went through this or that. Some of you are suffering from, from ailments. Some of you, your children have gone astray. Some of you, your spouses have left. Some of you, you're financially, you're in trouble. And Christmas is going to be difficult for you. And <clears throat> you know what? You have a God that created everything that there is. He knows. He knows. He understands. He gets it. So you know what? You can come to me and tell you all the problems, and, I, and I'll sympathize with you, and I'll pray for you, and I mean that. But you can pray too. You can go straight to God on your behalf. You can go to God as Dr. Williams just really, really thumped us in the head, in the head about doing is going to God as your father. Our father, which art in heaven. Like a child would go to his dad and say, Dad, I'm in trouble. Dad, I need this. Dad, can you help me? And every dad that has, has any love for a child would help. Would help. Remind yourself how big God is. And last, remember, if you won't take time to praise him, you'll end up not trusting him. If you won't take time to thank him, you'll end up not trusting him. Brother Eddie, I don't want to thank him. I'm angry. If you won't take time thanking God, you'll end up not trusting him. But I'm hurt, and God could have changed that. God could have fixed that. If you don't take time to thank God, you'll end up not trusting him. And your Christian life has no, has no power in it if you do not have confidence in God. If your confidence in God is gone, your Christian life is gone. You will not maintain it. You cannot maintain it because you don't have confidence in God. And you have a God, as I said, that is a big God. He's done a lot for you. We just need to be still and know that he is God. And we need to thank him consistently every day throughout the day. You go to you go to the book of Romans chapter 1 and you look at that, that how we, that, that when we don't thank God, we become a reprobate people. We, we cease to retain God in our knowledge. In other words, we, we, we begin to think that we don't need God in our life. Because now we get thinking, you know what? I got that because I have a job and I work hard and I earned the money and I bought it. But we don't thank God that we had the health to go to that job. We don't thank God that God protected us while we're doing that work. And all of a sudden we become God. We become all powerful and all of a sudden conflict and, and on and on it goes. And so I don't need to go to church anymore because you know what? I do things all by myself. I'm good enough on my own. And it, all, it degrades all the way, as Romans teaches us, all the way to reprobate, which means illogical. Living a life that doesn't make sense.
So let me ask you something. Does it make sense to fight with God? Because it's a fight that you cannot win. Does it make sense to have conflict with God? Because one day it's going to be resolved. And God's going to be right. Because he is right. And you might as well get that resolved today. I found that the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. In Psalm 107, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We have a good God. We have a God that gave his son as we celebrate this season. As all the world gets to hear the songs that we sing, they get to drive by our house and see our lights and see our manger scenes. And they have to look Jesus Christ in the eye, so to speak. They have to hear about him. Isn't that great? And that God is your God. He's my God. He hears us. He is big enough to handle anything you got. So why fight him? Why fight him? But I don't understand. Understanding comes after obedience. Job didn't understand. Moses never understood, not until, not until long after he led the, pe- the children of Israel to the promised land. Conflicts will fester, and the roots of bitterness will spring up in our lives. And the Bible says, it'll destroy many. It'll affect many. Your conflicts with God, unresolved while on this earth, will destroy your family. It'll destroy your children. It'll send your grandkids to hell. You know, let's get them fixed tonight. I don't know. I'm not, honestly, God is my witness. I I didn't prepare this with anybody in this room in, in mind. I just believed it was something that God wanted me to share tonight. Because I've had conflicts with God. And so have you. In just a moment, we're going to go to prayer here in a minute. And we're going to pray for some things here. But if there's something in your heart and your life that you're battling with God over... Man, let's get it fixed. Let's take some time and get that right with God and put God back where he's supposed to be. You may not be the millionaire you thought you should have been, but God is still your God. God maybe knows why you shouldn't have been. Maybe your spouse is in heaven tonight and you're here and you're angry at God over that. You know, God didn't punish her by taking her to heaven. God didn't punish him by taking him. Heaven's a good place. But maybe you ought to stop, as preacher often says, trying to box with God because your arms won't reach and you cannot win. You can live your life with bruises all you want. There are conflicts in this world that bring us difficulties every, every day. It's part of living in this world. And we, we can walk around even as Christians with bruises. In any football game, the winning team goes home with bruises too. But I'm going to tell you something. We don't have to fight God. Because we have a God that loves us. And God will make everything, everything right. Maybe not in your time, but as again, as preacher says, but on time. It's his time. Let's bow our heads for a moment.
I'm uh, not going to necessarily give an invitation because we're going to go to prayer here in a minute. But how many of you say, Brother Lapina, I think you helped me tonight. I think the lesson from God's Word is helping me. I need some prayer. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see it. Yeah, there's a lot of hands raised. There's a lot of hands raised. You've been treated unfair, treated unkind, gone through some difficult days. And you know what? You're probably going to go through some more. Let's be reminded that God is still on the throne and God loves us. We're going to go to prayer here in a moment. I'm going to ask with their heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask uh, Mrs. Colston, you're there. Thank you. If you'll just play in just a moment. But I want, to, I want to pray for Sunday. I want to pray that God will meet with us again. There was a lot of music there when Brother Hager showed me that, that uh, played for me, actually, the CD of that music program. I knew we could do it. But I believed with all my heart that it was going to be an, an unbelievable amount of work. But Pastor made sure that we prayed, made sure that we got God involved in this. And as we sat there just spellbound on Sunday morning, it wasn't because of the talent of our people. It's that God used their talents and God used their abilities. And I praise the Lord for them giving God their abilities and talents. And I think God magnified it in a great way. And I believe that people will be saved this Sunday because of it. 